Will you grab a seat set for you? You know, Crossbridge is a church that functions like a table. It's a table for everyone. You may be here today and you may be saying, well, I don't feel adequate to sit at this table because when I look around and I see all these beautiful people well put together, I don't know that I fit in because I have a past. I, I, I may be doubting. I, I have issues with faith and belief and I don't know. In fact, maybe some of you are here and uh, you did not want to be here. Somebody dragged you here today and you don't feel that you belong. And here at Crossbridge, we like to say that uh, you can belong before you believe. Take a seat at the table. You are welcome, regardless of your background, regardless of what you believe, regardless of who you are, regardless of your race, regardless of your political affiliation, this is a table for you. You have a seat at our table. Today we're launching a series of sermons entitled Tables. And this is our Lenten series. Our Lent is, uh, as David explained, the 40 days prior to the celebration of Easter Sunday. And so from this Sunday onward, from this Sunday to Easter Sunday, we are going to be looking at the story of salvation through the perspective of the table. And so uh, we're going to look at the first table today, then we'll look at the first Passover table, then we'll look at Jesus' table with his disciples, Jesus' Passover with his disciples, and then we'll look at the Christian Passover table. Uh, you know, this, uh, this table that's set here on stage uh, used to be in my house. Uh, this was right next to our kitchen, and for many years, this is where we ate as a family. And just by sitting at this table here, I see the stains. You know, there's like paint stains and um, nail polish stains. I kid you not. You can come <laughs> and you can see. Some of you know that I have four girls and a wife, and so uh, it's filled with nail polish stains here at this table. Uh, there's glitter here, some glitter at this table. But this table brings a lot of great memories uh, for me. I, I remember uh, at this table, uh, some of our girls pronounced their first words. I remember sitting at this table at our house. I, I remember we had conversations with them about their future, what, did they, what they wanted to be when they grew up. And, you know, when Zoe said she wanted to be a firefighter and a ballerina. And uh, when Anna said, I just want to be in charge. And I said, in charge of what? She says, I don't care. I just want to be in charge. She said that while we were sitting at this table. At this table, we shared our family plans and our dreams and our longings. And we thank God for the provisions that he had placed on this table every single time that we sat at this table. At this table, we also fought at this table, we also argued. We also got in each other's faces. And there were times that people picked up their chairs and left this table. And they went to eat in their own rooms or in another place in the house and in the living room. But tables, even when you read about tables in the perspective of Scripture, tables are places of great intimacy or places of delight. Tables are places of provision. Tables are where our sorrows and our longings and hopes, they meet. 
And through the table, we can understand not only about ourselves or the people in our lives and what we're looking for and longing for. And, and we can understand better our hurts and our disappointments in life. But we can also, through the table, find better connection with God and with others. And my hope is that throughout the series entitled Tables is that you will feel the comfort and the delight and experience the provision that there is by sitting at the Lord's table. Uh, today we're going to look at Act 1, which is the first table. Then we'll move into Act 2, which is our broken tables. And then we'll talk about the hope of a better table. I want to tell you here today that there is always a hope for a better table. Act 1, the first table. So when you read the Bible, humanity starts sitting at the table with God. You know, we read in the book of Genesis, which is the book of origins of how everything began and started. Right in chapter 2, you go to Genesis chapter 2 and, and you read uh, verses um, 7 through 9. This is what we find. And then the Lord, after creating all things, after... In six days creating everything, he, we read this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now, now, now pay attention to verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up Every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. After God created humanity from the dust, putting his hands in the dirt and creating humanity, he breathes in their nostrils the breath of life. And they become a living creature created in the image of God. And God puts them at the center of that beautiful garden that he had created out in the east called Eden. And there he supplies to them all sorts of provisions. He, he grows all sorts of trees, all, every tree, vegetables or fruits for their provision. The Lord sets a table in the middle of the garden that he had created for Adam and Eve. And when we continue to find out as we continue to read Genesis chapter 2 and going into 3 is that God would visit Adam and Eve at the cool of the day every day for a meal. He would be walking in the garden. You know, I, as I was growing up, yeah, there was always a bell that would be rung so that we could make our way into the table wherever we were in our bedrooms or in the backyard or whatever. And I, I imagine that to be the case. You know, Adam and Eve are there having fun in the garden. And all of a sudden they, ring, they hear the bell that's being rung. And, 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 and they make their way to the table in the middle of the garden. And, and, and there is the creator God sitting there with them. They are there fellowshipping with the God who had made them in their image. And in and, and that moment, it was a moment of complete fulfillment. Humanity has never been as well known and loved as that moment in the garden. There were long extended meals with God. And God would ask things like, so how are you guys doing? Are you enjoying? Did you see that other animal that... You didn't have a chance to see the one that I created, and uh, you see the colors, and did you taste that fruit? 
um, you know, that's all the way on the left corner of the garden. And they say, oh, yeah, that was amazing too. And, and God would say things to them. I just want to let you know that I really, really love you. And you are good. You are very good. I, I created you for my delight. And I created you for you to delight in me. Humanity was fully known and fully loved. And they experienced endless provisions from every fruit, from every tree. They experienced deep intimacy with God. They were found. And this is what I want you to understand. And as Adam and Eve, you were created for this. Nothing less than this is what you were created for. You were created for a relationship with God as this. You were created to sit at his table. You were created to delight in him and the provisions that he brings. You were created for his joy. That's the first answer to the first question in the Shorter Catechism. Is that we were created to enjoy God and to glorify him forever. That's why, that's what you were created for. And you, uh, you know that there are some clues that indicate to this truth and this reality because I don't know if you've experienced sitting at a table with the people that you love the most, tasting your favorite foods. Have you done that before? There's no experience that is as closest to the experience of heaven than when you are sitting at a table with people that you share deep intimacy with and they with you and you are savoring amazing foods. You know, I'm Brazilian, and we do that a lot. We, uh, we always have people over. We always go, always, go, always, go, always go to our friends' homes. I'm sorry about that. And uh, we, we sit at, around tables, and, uh, and we eat food. And, and, and sometimes these meals, they start at 11, and they end at 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. at night. And it just feels like it's gone by in 10 minutes, to be honest. Because that's what heaven feels like. I don't like this idea of heaven. And I don't know, frankly, where anybody took this idea of heaven. It's certainly not in the Bible that heaven looks like a, uh, this place that we are all dressed in white with wings, jumping from cloud to cloud, watering heavenly gardens. That's not the heaven of the Bible. The heaven of the Bible has a table at its center. And there's pleasures forevermore. And uh, there is... Uh, uh, Constantly a flow of good wine like we experienced men last Thursday night and great foods. And we're in the presence of he who is our heavenly spouse, the Lamb, Jesus Christ. That's the picture of heaven. Whenever we are at the presence of the Lord, there is full delight. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 16 verse 11, he said this. Look, look at what he says in, in Psalm 16. It is coming. I kind of threw them off because I skipped the slides. No, no, Psalm 16. Next, next. No, previous. Previous, previous, previous. Yeah, nope. Previous. Previous. Yes, they'll find it. But um, <laughs> it says that in the presence of the Lord, there is pleasures forevermore. That's what Psalm 16, 11 says. We were made for this. You were made for this. And every time that you're sitting around a table with people that you love, tasting amazing foods, that's a clue to that. And, and here's another clue, and, and that is the fact that um, sometimes 
when you leave these precious moments of intimacy and fellowship and delight, um, the next day there's still something missing because it never fully fulfills. I mean, I've left some of these amazing meals with my wife where we were completely filled with presence and uh, with, uh, you know, tastes and, and filled with joy just to get into an argument on the way home. <laughs> because all of these earthly experiences of intimacy, delight, and fellowship and provisions, they do not fully fulfill us. Which leads us to act two, the broken table. There was at some point that uh, Adam and Eve found themselves again sitting at the Lord's table. And uh, it was delightful as always. But all of a sudden I imagine Adam and Eve having a sidebar conversation. They lost focus. You know, like some of you, you are on meals and some of you know what I'm talking about, especially wives, you know what I'm talking about in terms of your husbands. They're sitting there, but they're gone. They're like, hey, uh, over here, did you just hear what your daughter said? Wait, wait, hang on. Let me, uh, I'll be there. I'll be there soon. Um, what, what did you just say? And I imagine that happening at some point. They started to lose focus. At the one who was sitting at the head of the table, uh, Eve has a sidebar conversation with Adam and says, Hey, uh, I don't know if uh, you noticed, but there's a table over there. And uh, there, there are no seats at that table. He's like, What are you thinking? Like, you know, I mean, this is God's table. This is a great table, and we've enjoyed being here. But this is the only table we get to sit in. It's, it's his table, and he does whatever he wants. And, you know, I know I, I, I loved all the 5,295 vegetables and fruits that we've tasted at this table. But there's one that he said we couldn't eat, and I just really want to take a bite at it. Adam, what if we had our own table? What if we had our own table? That's always how it starts. What a picture of our lives. Yeah, the Lord has provided abundantly to us, but it comes a time where he is no longer enough. And we're looking to the sides and what else can uh, fulfill me? And they look at that table. And she says, you know what? You can stay here. You can continue to hang out with God. I'm just going to check it out over there, all right? You want to come? Not right now. I'm having fun. She's like, okay, I'm uh, going to take my party over here. And she uh, takes a bite. And here's Adam, like most of you men. Excuse me. Okay. All right. And we all know how that went. That table became a broken table. Because every table where God does not sit at the head is a broken table. And the reason why some of your marital tables are broken tables is because 
you're there with maybe the person that you want to be there with, but God is not sitting at that table. It's a broken table. And maybe uh, your business table is a business table where you have true companions that you get to do business with and you're fulfilling a vision and a dream, but it's a broken table because God does not get to sit at the head of that table. And your families are broken tables because God does not get to sit at the head of your table. And uh, your neighborhoods are broken. And our national table is a broken table because God does not get to sit at the head of the table. This is a table for my own pleasure and fulfillment. This is a table where I covet to be like the one who set before me the first table. And then when you continue to read the history of humanity since then, that's the reality that we find in the book of Genesis. You go in the following chapter, in chapter 3, now they're pointing fingers at one another and they're accusing, oh, it was, it, was, it was her fault. I didn't want to leave your table, God, but she dragged me over here. And she, he, she's like, yeah, you pansy, you know. And so they're, so they're, they're like pointing Fingers at each other, they're blame shifting and they don't own up to their own sin. Their marriage becomes to be burdensome and it's not, no longer filled with pleasure. And the table is characterized by scarcity and not abundance like on the other side. In fact, they can't sit at that table anymore because God says, because you chose to have your own table, just stay there. God says, you can't come back to this table. And then uh, Adam and Eve, uh, they started adding seats to their table because they start having children. And uh, they have Cain. They have Abel. And others that the Bible does not mention, begins, they begin to fill this table. And then this one turns against this one and kills this one. And now their family is a mess, fully dysfunctional like all of our families, fully dysfunctional. And then after that, their children start to have children. And you go into Genesis chapter 9 and, and you begin to read that iniquity begins to multiply and, and there are murders and there's oppression and there's pain and there's injustice to the point that God says, I had enough. And God comes down and breaks their table once again. And every table since that choice that they made to come to this table and leave God's table has become a broken table. Every table that we sit at and we inhabit is a broken table. Oh no, my family is great. Sometimes you want Jesus at your table. Sometimes he's not, but he's never constantly at it. <laughs> and so the moments that he's not, it's broken. True or false? Every table is broken. And before the Passover table is established, this is where the people of God find themselves in Egypt. You see, like, they were outsiders in Egypt. But through Joseph, they are brought to the center of power at Egypt. And so for many years, the sons of Jacob and Joseph's brothers, they are welcome to the center of that table of power in Egypt. But then in Genesis, sorry, in Exodus 1, verse 8, we read this. Now there arose a new king over Egypt 
who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with every heavy burden. And they built four Pharaoh store cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. Before the Passover meal, they had been excluded from the table of power. Because every table that's formed, it's broken, it's a place of exclusion and and the people of God now, Joseph is no longer there. He's no longer the host, and they, they were kicked out. Now, I, I know that some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've experienced this before, what it means to be excluded. Maybe you have been excluded because your education is not good enough. Maybe you have been excluded because of the color of your skin. Maybe you have been excluded because you changed your mind or you changed your ideas. Maybe... You were excluded because you're no longer beautiful. And he said, I'm out. I've experienced that growing up. I was a, a very active kid, to say the least. Um, Francesca, my daughter, is nothing compared to who I was as a child. And in my family of origin with my cousin, I was always the trouble child. Hide everything. He's coming in. I was, always felt unwelcome. I felt the power of exclusion. And later on, when my parents immigrated to the United States, I was always the brat school, and I felt exclusion there. And some of you have felt that as well. And you don't, you don't longer have the metrics they've said to you to be able to sit at this table. Can you please excuse yourself from this table? And it hurt. And you know the pain. That's not your story, but maybe you helped to build tables of exclusion, where you had to tell people, you're not good enough to sit here with me. You're out. <laughs> Religious people are great at that. They build tables where they say, ah, oh, you're a sinner. Like, no, you can't this chair, nor this chair. No, you cannot. You don't belong here. Go get your life together. When you get your life together, then I'll maybe set a chair for you to sit at. For now, you are not welcome. Go get things done. Go fix your life. And I want to realize to you, I want you to realize that the reason for all of our anguish, our sorrows, comes from the fact that we help to build and inhabit broken tables. The reason why you are here today and they're just connecting to you. Because I can see it in your eyes, even though it's dark, because your eyes are shiny. That this connects with you is because it is true of you. And there's got to be a hope for a better table. And, and, and this is Act 3 now. We're moving into Act 3. The content of this message that brings good news to every single one of us here who have excluded or have been excluded is that there is a better table. 
As a matter of fact, this is where salvation starts. With the realization that there must be a better table out there. Do you know that there's a better table out there? There is a better table out there. Going back to Exodus chapter 1. The people excluded. They're living as slaves in Egypt. And one thing is clear when you continue to read and go into chapter 2 of Exodus is that God sees their affliction. God has a conversation with Moses to send Moses back to deliver the people from under the oppression of Pharaoh. He says, I have seen the pain and the clamor of my people. God sees. If you are right now in life in a place of exclusion, I want to tell you this morning that God sees where you're sitting at. He sees you. He sees your broken table falling apart. Your table. Let me see if I, I don't know if I can do this. I can't. Too complicated. Yeah, that's all good. That's all good. They got the message. God, God sees you sitting at whatever broken table you find yourself in. He sees you sitting at that broken table of marriage. He sees you sitting at broken table of uh, your relationships. He sees you sitting at the broken table of your business environment. He sees you where you are at. Because the Lord's years incline to those who are in pain and suffering. So you have. This morning here, the compassion of God on your side, that's the good news of the gospel. You haven't been noticed because you're excluded, you're out to the corner. Being treated as an indigent. But here is someone that sees you all the time. He sees you where you're at. And the beautiful thing about all of this is that he sees you at your table, your broken table. Where you're shedding your tears and your sorrows. And he not only sees you, but he says, uh, hey, uh, Felipe, do you mind if I grab a seat? (laughs) I want to sit with you. Now, there's there's some people in your life that you really admire, okay? Uh, We call them idols. But uh, there may be athletes that you admire, there may be business people that you really, really admire, and there may be politicians. I wouldn't recommend that, but maybe you admire people like that, or, or maybe your pastor. I don't know. But it, what if the person that you admire the most one day surprised you and knocked at your door and said, hey, I, I, uh, I, I have come to have dinner with you. What, what do you have prepared? And you're like, oh, man, you caught me off guard. I don't I don't have anything prepared. I mean, I can cook something. No, 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 no. That, that doesn't matter. You have water? Okay, that's enough. All I want is to spend time with you. How would you feel? See, that's the story of salvation in the Bible. Is that the God of the Bible, he not only sees us where we're at, our broken tables, but he always comes down to feast with us. He did that in Egypt And then when Jesus comes around the scene, he is known as the one who eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. He always is making way to our broken tables. He understands you. He identifies with you. 
The person that always sits next to you at dinner may not understand you, but he does. He knows what's going on in your heart. He's no, he knows what's in your soul. He knows the wounds that you have carried through the years. He knows. He created you. He loves you. He knows you. But not only that, he, he not only is here today and wanting to sit at your table, your broken table. Would Jesus want to have dinner with me and my spouse, whom our relationship is horrible, we don't even have meals together anymore. Yeah, he wants to sit at that table with you guys. He wants to sit at that table where, uh, with you and your children and you guys don't talk anymore and you're at each other's throats and uh, it's, it's a burden to sit at a table during the holidays, but he wants to sit at that table. At that table in your professional environment where people are competing against one another and trying to tear each other down. Would he ever want to sit at that table? Absolutely. He wants to sit at that table too. And he understands what's going on inside of you. and He knows what you really want. And more importantly, he knows what you really need. But not only that, there's something that gets better when you continue to read the story of salvation. He says to you, hey, uh, how are you doing? Share your heart with me. And by the way, this is what many of us are always longing for. Somebody just asks us the question, how are you doing? How's life? How's your heart? How's your soul? You know, some of us are craving for that interaction with another human. And he does that to us. And uh, he says, uh, you know what? Um, I just want to reassure you that I love you, but uh, to show you that, I, I want to I give you something. I want to invite you back to that table. There's a better table, and I, and I want you to come to this table. It's like, really? I, I, I don't feel adequate. I mean, you came, coming into my house already makes me really, really uncomfortable. And sitting at my table feels very, very uncomfortable. It's comforting, but it's uncomfortable. Now, going to your house and sitting at your table, he says, yeah, come with me. I want you to take a seat at my table. This seat has been prepared for you. And he's standing up and he's saying, just please sit. And you begin to realize that the only way he could re-invite you back to this table is if he gives up his table, his seat at this table. Because that's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus was before anything was created. Everything was created. He was before. He always existed with the Spirit and the Father. The universe, before it came into existence, before the shapeless matter became something outstandingly beautiful, was a table of fellowship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the only way that people like you and I that are inadequate to make our way back into this table, which by the way, this is a better table than the first table. First of all, the first table was a vegan table. <laughs> it was. Second of all, this table has way more seats and all are welcome. It's a better table. The only way that we can sit at this better table is if Jesus gives up his seat for us. That's what happened. 
on the cross as he was being excluded from a place of exclusion, crucified outside the city. What were the words of Jesus on the cross? Father, why have you forsaken me? Why can't I no longer sit at that table? It's because he was giving up his seat for you and I. I hope you understand the power that exists when you realize that it came at a great cost for you to be reinvited and to be able to sit once again at this table. As a matter of fact, it's to the degree that you understand the sacrifice that it took for you to be able to sit once again at this table of fellowship with God the Father. It came at a great cost of Jesus Christ. And it's through realizing that this is what it took that I now can go back through the power of God and repair the broken tables of life. Here's the thing. There's some of you here today is that you sit at a broken table and you're just trying to repair it with the tools that you have at hand. And you're like, oh, man, I... All right, what's the name of that psychologist? All right, uh, that doesn't work. Uh, maybe I can use this tool here, money. Maybe if I throw money at this, it'll work. It doesn't work. Because what you need is to know that you have a seat at this table. It's when you know that you have a seat at this table that you can come to this table in a posture of humility and sacrifice and generosity and love because you have been shown great generosity and love here. It's out of this provision, it's out of this overflowing that you can come to this table and begin the work of reparation. It's only through the power of knowing that you are loved and welcomed by the creator God of the universe at his table that you can repair all your broken tables. Whatever you try, besides this, will never work. And so here, here's what I believe. What I believe is this. I believe that the Lord of this table is here today, and he has gone through all of the motions to sat at your table. He said to you, hey, I, I know how you're feeling, and he's inviting you back to this table, and he's promising to share the broken tables that you're sitting at in life. And if that is you, what do you need to do? Just come and take a seat. <laughs> come and take a seat. And trust and believe that he is doing the miraculous work, the work of repair in your life. And it's going to start today and it's going to move out of here into your homes, into your neighborhoods, into your workspaces, into your college campuses, into your high school campuses. Because you've realized something that you hadn't realized before, that he has made a way for you to return here. And it was costly. It was lavish. And what you have here is better than anything in this world. Nothing can be compared to that which you have here for the provisions that you experience here and the delight that you have here. And so you are free to give and you are free to sacrifice and to forgive and and you begin the process of giving up seeds for others because he has given up a seed for you. I want to pray for you today. I want to, 
I want you to bow your head. And um, if that's you, pretty soon everyone's going to stand up because we're going to worship God. But if, if that's you here today and you're saying, hey, I, I hear his invitation. I see him sitting at my table and I believe and hope that he will repair my broken table. If you're sitting at a broken table today and you have hope that he can repair it, will you stand up? I want to pray for you. You don't need to even to come up here, but just stand up. We're all praying. This is you and God. This is, you know, for you to come to this table, you have to stand up. You have to stand up and make your way here. And, and if that's you, stand up. I, I want to be able to, to see to be able to intelligently pray for you. And, and, I, and I want you to experience the welcome of God and the provisions of God in your life. And I, and, and I want you to see with your own eyes in the near future him repairing everything around you. As I'm praying, you can still stand. That's okay. Those who come late are welcome too. Father, we, uh, we acknowledge that which you have done. We acknowledge that it's come at a great cost and you gave up your seat so that we can again as people sit at your table. And we acknowledge that all that we are lacking inside of us is because we long to return but we just don't know how. And Father, you have paved the way and, and my prayer is that for those who realize that, Father, for those who uh, in, internalize this truth, for those uh, who take this very seriously, that you would allow them to see right around them and the spaces that they inhabit, at the tables that they sit at, Father, that you would bring complete restoration. Uh, Father, we, uh, we pray that your spirit will unleash its restorative resurrection power around us. Father, so that through our lives there would be spaces and environments of delight and provision as well for others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand up and let's worship him now. The God who invites us to his table. He is worthy of all our praise. He is worthy of all, all our worship.